This is episode two of our Wits Up Raw podcast series, uh, where I get the opportunity to have discussions with people about topics that might be a little bit awkward or a little bit uncomfortable, uh, but they're, they're going to be raw, honest, and authentic. And I feel like we've got the platform here at Wits Up to be able to have these discussions or continue these conversations about important topics. Uh, Today's topic is athletes with a disability, and I am welcoming two incredible women uh, to the Wits Up podcast. Uh, First up, we've got Susan Lakey, who is, she's just, she's a good, she's a great egg. Uh, I've known Susan for years in the triathlon circles, uh, and she is extremely intelligent, um, very funny, got a fantastic sense of humor. She will refer to herself as a veteran triathlon journalist. I would refer to her as one of the best uh, journalists and writers in the sport, uh, even outside of the sport. Uh, She actually has two books as well that you need to check out, and we'll leave a link in the description of this episode. Uh, The first one is called Life's Too Short to Go So Fucking Slow, title that I love, massive tick with the F-bomb. And her second one is called Running Outside the Comfort Zone. You need to check them out. They are a top read. Oh, by the way, Susan also happens to be deaf. Uh, Our second person on the podcast today is someone who you might be familiar with here on the Wits Up platform. Her name is Kate Ness. We've had her on before. She was a Wits Up ambassador while she was racing, but she did recently retire. Uh, She is a consulting psychologist, a speaker, Um, a highly motivational speaker. She's passionate about high performance uh, and mental health and a holistic approach to training and racing. Um, She's got many layers. Uh, We obviously got her on board with uh, Wits Up as an ambassador because I think she's a fantastic role model um, in the world of sport. Uh, she's she's down to earth. She's funny. She's a great person to have a chat with. Uh, that might be the psychologist behind her. Maybe she's been psychologizing me all this time. Who knows? Uh, but she's she's a great egg as well. Uh, and it was fantastic to have her in on the chat as well. If you don't know about her achievements in sport, she has represented Australia as an elite triathlete in the Paralympics. Uh, and uh, she, like I said, she's recently retired. And I cannot thank these two incredible women enough for joining me for our chat today. This is the uh, raw edition of the Wits Up podcast. We've only done one of these before and we spoke with uh, Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold and it was Amazing. So I have really high hopes and expectations of both of the women who I've got on this edition of the Wits Up Raw podcast. Please welcome Susan Lakey and Kate Ness to the Wits Up podcast. Hey, everyone. Back to back. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel all that convinced, Kate. Hi, everyone. Nice to be back. Hi, everyone. I have been told I have to work on that animation. (laughs) Especially on a podcast because they can't see you smiling and waving your hands everywhere, so you've got to give that extra oomph. Okay, I'm here. Let's do it. (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this episode is about, and I'm probably going to stuff this up to begin with. As, As you guys know, 
The Raw podcast is very much about an open, honest dialogue, conversation. Uh, I like to say no question's a stupid question, but chances are I'm going to ask a stupid question. Um, but it comes from a place of curiosity, um, a, a willingness to learn and and want to make other people feel happy. So I don't I don't like offending people. I don't like upsetting people. I do my best not to do that. So I want this to be an opportunity to be able to educate other people, um, tell some stories and just open up some people's eyes about, you know, certain things that you two may have gone through um, or have, have witnessed, experienced yourselves. Um, so we're talking about people with disabilities on this episode. Straight off the bat, is that the correct thing to say, people with disabilities, or have I already started offending people already? So technically, no, you haven't offended anybody. Um, yes. the, the way that you say and what you say are two different things. So you're off to a really good start. Um, one of the things that I think people get scared of that they don't want to use the wrong terminology, right? And so I can't speak for every person with disabilities. I certainly can't speak for Kate, but for myself, when somebody comes to me and says, you know, do I refer to you as a deaf person or hearing impaired? Or I appreciate that when people want to get the terminology right. But when they come and they say, um, oh, this is Susan, she's the deaf one, or oh, um, <laughs> I understand that you're deaf and dumb. Um, then, you know, they're coming in and they're filling in the blanks on their own. And that's the part that's offensive to me. Um, more often than not, people refer to me as the deaf girl. And so they don't say my name. Um, they don't say the journalist. They don't say the author. They don't say the triathlete. They just say the deaf girl. And that's the point of, um, identification for me. And when you reduce me to just being the deaf girl, then you ignore that there's so much more to me. And that's the part where I get offended. So no, I think people with disabilities is a fine term to use. But if you're just referring to somebody by only their disability, that's the part where it gets offensive for me. I don't know about you, Kate. What, what do you have to, to say about that? Yeah, it's, um, I, don't, I definitely don't get offended at all um but it depends like if you know i think like in the past depending on what environment i've been in some people yes i have experience where they're just a bit unsure they don't want to say the wrong thing so they they don't they come across as a bit um standoffish where that's not probably what their intentions are um they just don't want to they want to do the right thing um, so they don't, kind of don't do anything. But I probably, I don't know, I the girl without a hand, I don't know, but I never hear that, but probably more so as a kid um, I did. Um, I, it wasn't until I was a bit older that I learned that I'm like limb deficient and I actually have a, there's actually a, a an actual terminology for the type of hand difference I have, which I, to be honest, I don't even know what it is. Um <laughs> I was a teenager that there's like an X amount of numbers. So I'm probably not the most knowledgeable when it comes to my disability. I just know there is no hand there. Um, but it's my hand, right? It was just the way it was. Um, I think it depends on the settings too. I've been in like big companies, C-suite, um, you know, and they don't, it's, it's, they're probably just not used to it. And when it comes to shaking hands for me, 
like some people have almost like freaked out and been, if I sometimes offer my opposite hand to what you would shaking because I'm missing my right, so I offer my left, like almost like, oh, that's offensive. But then, which to their defence, they probably didn't realise at, at the time. And they may say something which comes across as a bit rude. And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, what can you do? Um, we've only got one hand. And then, you know, I don't like to make people feel uncomfortable um, it's funny though, like with, um, my coach, when I was training in the earlier days, she would always say, Oh, would you like a hand? And it's that like <laughs> kind of thing. And like, she would feel so bad <laughs> when we didn't know each other. She kind of just like, Oh no, can't say that. And I wouldn't say anything. And then later on, she would tell me how she'd always feel so bad about saying that. And I'm like, don't worry about it. Like, I'll just roll with it. Like I could have really made you feel really bad. But, you know, it is what it is. But don't you think that's, you know, and as you know, you you both know me pretty well, I use humour for most things. But I feel like humour is a really good way to, you know, educate without it being luxury. So, you know, having that sort of banter with your coach might be a really good opportunity to be able to educate uh, without it coming across awkward. Yeah, I think it just it normalizes it in a sense because if you think about it regardless like there's many different types of disability and some are visible some aren't so it's not straight off the bat and to be honest some of us are really intelligent at something some of us aren't some of us are really skilled in some areas some of us aren't so let's normalize it all and say we're a bit all a little bit disabled in some areas of our life um (laughs) And who cares, you know, let's just roll with it. We're all different and that's the way it should be. I, I def- I'll put my hand up, no pun intended, uh, that I have. <laughs> uh, uh, I reckon I've got an emotional disability and Brett actually called me out on that very early on in our relationship. So I'll, I'll definitely, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll claim that one. But, but the whole, um, can I give you a hand, Um it's not it's not even a microaggression or do you do you feel like it might be a bit of a microaggression? I, I'm not too sure what that where that sits. But it's just a phrase, right? Yeah. Like how, do you need a hand? You know, it's um it depends what mood I'm in. Because sometimes I'm like I feel good. Other times I'm like, oh yes, do you have a spare one? Because that would be really <laughs> helpful. You know, like it just depends what mood I'm in and I don't Sometimes I don't even really think about it when someone says that. I don't, you know, it's just because it's a just a term that people use. Yeah. Have you ever experienced anything like that, Susan? Yeah, for sure. And I think with when it comes to making jokes and stuff like that, like you pointed out, it's actually a great way to make other people comfortable with you because a lot of people are really uncomfortable with people with disabilities. So the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable they are. And sometimes if you can laugh, if you can make a little joke to put everybody at ease, you know, um, I actually love doing that. I love making that little joke. But there's a difference between being um, the person who makes the joke and then being the part of the joke. Mm. And so, for example, with my friend, we often joke that when we're on trail runs or a group ride, um, because I read left. If I'm out on a trail run or a group ride with people, if I can't see their face and they're talking to me, I have no idea that they're talking to me. And so, um, 
usually at the end of a, a ride, I'll say something like, did I miss anything, you know, when we were in a pace line? Um, and they said, no, no, mostly we're just talking sort about you. And <laughs> I'm open up at that. You know, they're my friends and we're all aware that that's the reality, that I don't know what they're saying. And sometimes it's easier to just make that joke. But there are other times when you know, people um, will make jokes and they they think they're being clever. They think they're being funny. Uh, one that I get a lot is uh, I'll say something and they'll say what? And so I'll repeat myself and they'll keep saying what? And then they, they laugh at the joke and they think it's really hilarious that they're saying what to a deaf girl. Um, and oh. that's not funny. And I'm a lot like you, Kate, and that sometimes I can chuckle at it, but sometimes I'm just so over I'm so fed up with that and I'll get really snarky and really mean and um so it, I think it depends on the context you know mm -hmm. of the joke and yeah. whether or not they're using that joke to include you in the group or exclude you and treat you like you're different um and the latter can really hurt sometimes mm. yeah I think you can't um ignore the fact that still a disability it's very it's different for everyone in their own way in the sense and you know how that affects them whether it's certain parts of their life from being a child to to adulthood you know even though we talk about humor and sort of being light-hearted about it like I definitely would say that there's there's still always challenges and there's still a part of you that um you know definitely a lot I've got a lot better as I got older but you always still feel different you know just mm. still into play at certain times yeah and that that brings me to the whole reason I wanted to start this discussion um with, with two people who I respect and admire for you know what you've achieved what you do today uh in you know in your lives who both happen to have different disabilities um and it's the movie that recently came out, Witches, with Anne Hathaway. And, Kate, I think I actually first saw it when you posted about it. Um, so I, I don't want to take this story away from you. Can you explain what you posted? And, yeah, my reaction to it is why we're sitting here talking today. Would you, would you mind? Yeah, sure. I didn't um, – what I posted, when I first saw it come online um, and then the controversy was building was – a girl that I followed posted about it and posted a really, um, really eye-opening piece about like this is whoa, like where are we in the world? We thought we were like a lot more um, advanced these days in accepting. And then I just saw the picture and I'm like, because I didn't really know about the movie or mm. or anything at the time until I saw a post. And I reposted it because I saw the picture. And I'm like, wow, that's a that's a real that is. A disability that's a real disability that the three fingers and I thought as I was talking to you before there's many different types of hand differences and that being one and I just thought whoa that's full-on and it was funny because um people like this is this is not right like this is in movies like I we you'd see more these days about really inclusive and movies about celebrating difference and so I got a bit of a shock initially and thought, oh, yeah, I definitely need to to share this and continue that voice about how saying this, they just unfortunately didn't get it right. Not to say you're bad people for not thinking about it, but just to say, hang on, like just, you know, acknowledging we're all humans and sometimes we make mistakes and aren't necessarily intended how they've come out, even to what we are saying before. But 
it can't, we have to address it. Um, and after a while, then all the, the, there were a lot more posts about it. And then Steph, you'd probably talk about it too. Then it actually came back Anne Hathaway then posted an amazing post, like just saying, you know, she was acknowledging, she was being vulnerable. She was just saying, I'm sorry, guys, I got it wrong. Definitely wasn't my intention. If I knew more, you know, wouldn't have been actively um, portraying the character in that way as in to say if you've got three fingers or a, like a disability with your hands, like you're grotesque and a monster-like, like a witch. I still freak out about the original witches movie anyway, so it wouldn't matter what people looked like. It scared me to death <laughs> um, as a kid. So, yeah, I just thought it was just a real eye-opener for me. And, like, I had people messaging me saying, geez, that must be tough for you to see that. And and initially I thought, oh, yeah, I, oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't have, like, I, that, but I kind of didn't, I see my hand differences a bit different because they are all different. So it affects people in different ways about what they can do or what they find challenging with their hand difference. So for me, I was like, I... I'm more there to support my peers that have a hand difference as opposed to it being, yeah, guys, you can't be like that to me. So if that makes mm. sense. Yeah, definitely. And did, did you, Susan, did you manage to have a look at, uh, I think I sent you one of the articles or at least a picture of it. Did you manage to have a look at it? What was your sort of outtake from it? Yeah, when when I saw the trailer and I saw that they used the um that's actually quite common, disability and mm. um, a way to portray somebody being a monster. Uh, it really, it, it bothered me. And even though I don't have that particular disability, I know what it feels like when people use something about you that's different as a way to say there's something wrong with you. And that's really hard to see. And, you know, even though I thought that Anne Hathaway's apology was actually quite amazing. It's probably one of the best apologies I've seen. You know, she admitted that she really messed up on this. Um, part of me couldn't help but think that all of this could have been avoided if maybe they had somebody with a disability on staff to say, well, you know, hey, have you ever considered that maybe this is that what you think it is? Maybe this isn't the message that you think you're sending. And isn't that true for so many instances, though? Like, you know, we've seen advertisements where, um, you know, they portray women in a certain light or um, people of color in a certain way or people with disabilities. And you see that advertisement, you see this movie, you see the story, and you just think to yourself, how come nobody at any point said, this isn't a good idea. Like, how did this mm. actually get through? And I think it really comes down to the fact that, um, you know, the people who are making these stories, the people who are creating these advertisements, these movies, whatever, um, they often don't reflect a lot of diversity in their staff. And so I, I think a lot of um, issues really could be avoided if we were just have more diverse, more women, more people of color, more people with disabilities, um, more people who are gender non-conforming, if you hire these people on your staff, if you surround yourself with them, um, they can point out when you're thinking maybe disregarding the diversity of your audience. Mm. I, think, yeah. I, I was just going to say to the point of The Witches, it was like a kid's movie, right? And I remember the original when I was young and Roald Dahl, I'm pretty sure that wasn't his intention either. It was different to the book. So we also got to remember it was... A 
demographic was children. So it's even like a more poignant topic that kids are seeing that and seeing themselves portrayed as a witch and that. So mm. it even had a stronger um, message initially that, you know, having a diff- having a, a disability wasn't normal or it was you were scary. So, Yeah, uh, yeah, I think you nailed it with that as well. It, this wasn't a uh, M or an R-rated adult movie this is this is a movie for kids and uh yeah uh when I started reading through a lot of the the comments and posts about it and particularly watching kids talk about it who you know that you know as as adults we we hope we're getting to a point where we've learned how to deal a lot better with certain situations kids haven't had that um ability to do that they're still growing and worrying about what people think about and not I'm saying that not that I'm saying that adults don't think about that, but at least we've got the maturity to be able to cope a little bit better um, over years of learning. Um, but for kids to be subjected to that was, yeah, was awful. I just want to read the actual bit of um, Anne Hathaway's apology because something about it, it just really resonated with me in terms of what I hope to achieve by having these kind of conversations um, and why sometimes I st- I stutter a little bit when I have to think of, you know, do I say people with disabilities? Not, I'm not doing it because I'm worried about um, being politically correct or what have you. It's because I don't want to be an asshole. I don't want to offend someone. I don't want to upset anyone. It's interesting before you go into that, Steph, it is also like with disability and as opposed to disabilities, it can get very technical. And um, like I I know some people that probably a bit more... um, skilled in in the real correct terminology but even I learned to um with disability as opposed to with a disability so it's probably another topic of conversation even just that Um, yeah okay but yeah I I still see it a bit of both everywhere so I'm not really sure I mean I I don't know about you Susan but to me you know it, it the same it's the same thing kind of so I don't really find it offensive but to some people, it would be very important that terminology. Right, and I, as a journalist, I often will write stories about people who have a disability, and I always ask that person, "How do you want me to refer to this?" Um, I think that's probably the most important thing that I can do. Um, when people ask me, I say, "I'm deaf." You can say, "I'm deaf." That's okay because. That's what I am. Um, I've had people ask me, do you want me to say that you identify as deaf? And um, this isn't an identifier. This is a a medical diagnosis. Um, You know, and and there's nothing that I can really do to change that. There's nothing that I can do to, um, you know, alter the way that I identify. I can't tweak it in any way. And so I'm deaf. You can say that. But other people prefer hearing impaired. Other people prefer hard of hearing. Um, Mm. I, I think you know, asking the person the terminology they prefer is really important. Um, but also, I feel like in general, as long as you're not using a term like, um, for example, crippled or special mm. need, um, those are the those are the terminologies that get more offensive, the more negative. Um, so always ask, or at the very least, Google it if you're not sure to see what the right terminology would be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, okay, so Anne Hathaway's apology, the bit that really struck a chord was she said, let me begin by saying I do my best to be sensitive to the feelings and experiences of others, not out of some scrambling PC fear. I love that bit. 
but because not hurting others seems like a basic level of decency we should all be striving for. Um, so in, in summation, don't be a dick is mm. I think a perfect way to, to, to sum that up. And, and like you say, um, it, like surely it should be a human instinct not to want to upset another human being for any reason. Mm. Yep. Um, I want to talk more about, and it's again, it's not necessarily microaggressions. I don't really know how else you might even come up with a better term, but something that I did just a couple of weeks ago with Susan, I wanted to get her advice on something and I was out on the bike and it was doing my head in and I thought, I'm going to speak to Susan. And I'm just, I'm sick of having to text people to say, hey, can we catch up for a chat? I just, it's it's driving me insane. So I I just like to do the pop-in phone call. So I just start ringing her and then she hangs up and I'm like, oh my gosh, she she won't be able to hear me when I'm calling her on a voice call. And then Susan texts me and she's like, oh, I can talk to you soon um, on a video call. So then I FaceTime her and then she hangs up on that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I know because we had this discussion what a week before this happened and you'd said to me, uh, yeah, I like using Zoom or um, Microsoft Teams because captions come up. So I can read your lips, but I, I use the captions to, to fill in the blanks. And I felt like such a dick. But I also did know that you wouldn't have been offended. You were probably laughing because I was a dumbass. Um, I'd love to find out if um, those kind of experiences that that you two have had, um, not counting the one that you had with me, Susan. For the record, I did not think that you were being a dick. Um, (laughs) I actually think that in a backward way, it's a compliment when people forget that I'm deaf. Um, That means I'm doing a really good job. Uh, But at the same time, they... You know, I've had people, even my husband, we've been together for 10 years, even my husband sometimes will be in the other room and he'll be yelling something, you know, trying to tell me something. And I'll be like, babe, babe, I can't see your face. I, I need you to come to me and tell me that. And he's like, oh yeah, that's right. So it, it's not a big deal when people forget that or when they call me or whatever. I'm I'm fine with just saying like, hey, I actually need to do like the the video called with the caption and most people are fine with that. Um, I think the the thing that is more in the microaggression area is like lately, for example, um, my my favorite thing that I've been noticing is all of these people are having podcasts and video seminars and all of that on diversity and inclusion. And they don't caption them and they don't provide transcripts for them. And so they want to be inclusive, but they don't do the thing that makes it inclusive, which is to to help people who are deaf follow along with that. And so um, their idea of diversity and inclusion is limited to only a certain subset of people. Um, Or another thing that's been happening to me lately is here in the United States, um, a lot of places are being told to wear masks when they go out. And um, as you can imagine, for me, that's really hard because I read laps. And so if your face is covered by a mask, I have no idea what anybody's saying. And so it causes quite a bit of anxiety for me. And I wrote an article on that recently. And people started sending me 
helpful tips. Um, for example, they said, have you considered buying a mask that has a clear window? And I'll say, of course I have. Have you considered that? <laughs> it doesn't matter if I'm wearing the mask with the clear window. It matters if you are wearing the mask with the clear window. I need you to help me out here. Um, the other thing that people like to say to me, and things would be so much easier for you if you just learn sign language. And first of all, I don't have the time to learn a new language. And second of all, it's only gonna benefit me if everybody else is speaking sign language and nobody has the time to learn a new language. So they, they make these uh, suggestions with the best of intention, but they're not really helpful. They don't see how they're the ones that need to step up to help me. Um, mm. and, and I don't know how many times I can convey that to people until they finally get it because I'm still getting those recommendations. I'm still getting those helpful tips that are not helpful at all, at all. I, why doesn't FaceTime have captions? Because that would mean you can talk whenever you want out on the road, not driving. Don't drive and talk. So the interesting thing about live captions right now is that um, for years that people were told that live captions were just not possible. It was too hard to do, too difficult to get accurate, um, and it would be too expensive. And then all of a sudden the pandemic hit and Google Meet came out with free live caption, which is amazing. It's been a real game changer for me because now I can get on video calls with you. I can do more uh, interviews for stories for my job. I, I can be connected to my friends and family. Um, so it's really been wonderful. But there are still video calls um, uh, software like Zoom or um, Skype, those types of sites that they'll allow you to have a caption, but you have to pay for them. You have to pay extra in order to get oh. caption. And so it's just somebody like me who, I mean, I'm a journalist. I am on a budget. So I don't necessarily have a lot of money to be able to pay, just to be able to be involved in a video call. Um, so I would lose a lot of opportunities if there's not a free option. Um, really, it's all about making as much money as possible. And captioning is seen as a premium service and um, not and an accessibility issue. And that really hurts people who have disabilities who would really rather um, have the option and the ability to be in basically any situation that a person who's not deaf would be. Wow, I hadn't thought about it like that, that it's seen as a premium service and you're like, no, 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 it's a service. It's, yeah. yeah. And it's wow. all about money, really. Yeah. And um, even, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in the United States, if you are um, if you are an amputee or you have a limb difference, your insurance will not cover the cost um, of prosthetic. So you have to pay out of pocket in order to get, for example, a running blade or um, a hand, a prosthetic hand. Um, here in the United States too, I have to pay for my own hearing aid out of pocket. Um, my insurance doesn't cover that. It's seen as um, uh, something that is optional. And really, it's 
quite necessary in order to be able to walk, in order to be able to heal. Um, you know, we need that set. And yet our insurance is telling us, um, no, actually you don't, you're fine. Just get a crutch, you'll be good. Um, and what it comes down to is money. It's always all about the money. And um, even when we're talking about, for example, racing and triathlon, um, it's not always accessible for people with disabilities. And when you ask why, when you really dig deep and try to pull back the reasons why, it's because it costs money to make race accessible. And mm. um, when you're about profit, when you're trying to make as much money as possible, you want to save as much money as possible. And that means sometimes that you cut corners on accessibility. Yeah. I, I definitely want to come back to uh, triathlon and accessibility to triathlon because I know you've got some really interesting anecdotes that you've told me about before and I do want to get to them. But I, I do want to, uh, Kate, d- just following on from that, w- I can't remember the question I asked you, Susan, but does that kind of <laughs> – does that resonate with you? Do you remember, you know, times where you've sort of felt similar? Um, I think to it when Susan was talking, it comes back to that point around ask someone that has experience. Like if you if you're looking at having disability inclusion, whether that that's a, a team within an organization or it's something you're looking at implementing within in a business or, or whatever it is, understand it well. Um, and it's not just a tick the box process. Oh, everyone's doing it. So you know, let's have people of colour or whatever within our campaign or whatever Mm. it is. It's like do it because you intentionally want to do the right things and understand, um, yeah, do it for the right reasons, not just to do it because everyone else is in it. It makes you look good and you can profit because it looks like you're doing the right thing. Mm. And uh, with the captioning, I didn't know about that. It was really interesting. And I I think, um, you know, that's a prime example of where people are trying to do the right thing, but they're still not realising that diversity inclusion to be fully inclusive that and the face masks and stuff, that is a, that's just an accessibility need so people can just access the same levels of services as someone who um, isn't hearing impaired or doesn't lip read. So, you know, it, and, it, like, it's just not thought about because... If you don't experience something to a certain level, it's just not its not second nature, you know, you mm. just come up. So we have to, like I'm a bit like, okay, that's fair enough, but just we've got to probably have a bit more aware and awareness around just ask, you know, mm. just ask and explore and find out. Um, don't just think, yep, cool, we've done that, we look good. Yeah, and that's why I think these conversations are really important because I would never have thought of that uh, the captions until I started speaking to Susan just a few weeks ago. I just, uh, something that we need to do with Wits Up with all of our video content, I need to start making sure that we've got captions on that. Thankfully, with I think both YouTube and Facebook, it generates uh, captions now, um, but things like Instagram doesn't. So if I post a video on Instagram, I should include some captions. Uh, so that's what I will endeavour to do. Uh, so that you can enjoy all our awesome content as well, Susan. I think back to Susan's point about like experiences and when you find it as a compliment, it did remind me when I was younger with my friends and we'd just be hanging out and they like they were going to do a trick or something like, give me a hand. And I give them my left hand. They're like, no, 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 give me your other one. And I'd like give it to them. They're like, oh, oh, shit. And, you know, to me, so that was like um, 
and they just laugh and like oh yeah i forgot and i'm like so me that's a compliment because they don't see any different you know um so i didn't mind that yeah yeah and again it comes down to context and uh the individual obviously uh or the, the individuals interacting Sorry, team, I just wanted to quickly interrupt these incredible women and let you know that the Wits Up podcast will now also be published on our YouTube channel. So if you know anyone who can't listen to the podcast uh, but still wants to get involved with these stories, they can tune in to our Wits Up YouTube channel uh, that will have captions as well. Also, if you are not already a Wits Up Patreon member and you want to support uh, the content that we produce on the daily, then please consider becoming a Wits Up member for as little as five US dollars a month. All you need to do is click the link in the description of this episode or head to Patreon slash Wits Up. And finally, last but not least, uh, consider signing up to our Wits Up e-newsletter. It is called the Wits Up Weekly Word, where we bring you a wealth of information about what is happening uh, in women in sport across the globe, uh, pulled together by one of our editors, Jordan Blanco. So shout out to Jordan. Uh, make sure you just click on the link on the Wits Up website. All right, back to Susan, Kate, and a little bit of the chief. Yeah. I do want to talk about your experience in triathlon, um, both of you. And I know I know some of these stories that have really resonated with me from, from both of you, uh, but I would love to throw it to you to see what pops up into your head, um, particularly for yourselves, whenever you have felt like uh, sort of ex- excluded in the world of triathlon based on the disability that you have. Who would like to go? You can go first, Susan. <laughs> uh, I, I like how Kate and I right now through the screen. Like, no, you go. No, you go. <laughs> um, the problem that I have sometimes with talking about this is um, I am part of a culture, a society where I have been taught that um, I need to be as normal as possible. Right. And so asking for help is a sign of weakness. And so my whole life, I've been trying to um, learn how to lip read. I've been in speech therapy for most of my life. I've been really trying to be as normal normal as possible. So when people ask me the question of, you know, how it's been hard for you, um, I don't want to come off as, you know, um, difficult. I don't want to come off as, uh, you know, being a a drain on society because I've been told my whole life that that's bad. Um, But, you know, even in my experiences as a triathlete, I I have had circumstances where no matter how hard I try to be normal and to not inconvenience the race, um, I'm still blocked from ac- accessing the full race experience. Um, you know, sometimes it's in minor ways. Uh, so, for example, uh, if you go to a race meeting and it's mandatory, you have to go, they're telling you important stuff about the course, but the entire time the race director is speaking through a megaphone that covers their mouth. Um, I have no idea what's happening. And um, so I usually have to ask somebody else. And it just turned out to be a waste of my time and everybody's time because, you know, I'm asking people to repeat 
what was that. So sometimes just minor like that. Other times, um, I've been asked not to race at all. Um, mm-hmm. There was one event that I did where I was really excited to be a part of it. And I had been in triathlon for about four or five years at that point. I had done many races, several Ironman triathlons. I was feeling, you know, really solid in my skills. But the race director, when when he discovered that I was deaf, said that that would be a hazard for myself and other people on the course because the swim in that particular race had a very strong current. And if the current were to take me away, I wouldn't be able to hear a volunteer in a kayak yelling at me that I was going off course. And that really surprised me because, first of all, I had never really considered that because I'm a fairly competent swimmer. I, I feel like I know how to start, I know how to stay on course, I know how to tell when I'm going off course. Um, but the other thing was um, I had never really considered that people could even hear the volunteers when they're swimming. Like as far as I can tell, you're splashing around with water in your ears, you're, it's already pretty loud. So I didn't even think people could hear volunteers in the kayak. So for that to be the justification for me not racing um, was really confusing to me. But we went back and forth for a long time and they really, no matter what I said, they weren't going to budge on it. And so their compromise for me was that they would let me be a part of a relay team for that race. And I could pick someone to do the swim for me. And um, then I could complete the rest of the race. And I ended up doing that with my then boyfriend, now my husband, and it was actually a really fun day. But it bothers me that I couldn't do that race. Every time I see people posting about that race, it's just a little little sting that comes through that they got that full experience. And I Mm. just, and that really bummed me out because no matter what, I could have been, you know, I could have been Andy Pott and they still wouldn't have let me do that swim um, because I wouldn't be able to hear the volunteers and, and the kayaks. Um, I think it's bullshit, but I'm also not the race director, so I can't really do anything about it. All I can do is tell my story and hope other people think it's bullshit too, so that eventually it just becomes widely accepted within the triathlon community that we can't really do that. We can't limit people um, because we're scared of the consequences. So my, so I try to think, um, you know, on, on top of your story, and I think I said this to you when we were chatting about this very anecdote, and I thought, well, how do we allow people to do iron distance racing who cannot prove that they can swim 3.8K? Uh, we hear a lot of people getting pulled out of the water, Unfortunately, people have suffered heart attacks in in the water across races across the globe, uh, and a, and a lot of it comes down to them not being fit enough to be able to, you know, finish three point eight k. How are they starting a race over you starting a race who is a competent swimmer and could probably prove to them in terms of results or what have you that you can get through a swim quite competently? And that's where I just yeah. It, <laughs> It, that's where I, I imagine it stings a lot because it's really honed in on your specific disability, nothing to do with your competence. 
Right. And, you know, kind of goes back to what I was saying before about how people only know me as the deaf girl. Mm. And so when you have this picture in your head about what a deaf person is, um, it's probably very different from me. Um, you know, most people, when they think of a deaf person, they think of someone who uses sign language. They think of someone who can't talk. They um, often they think it is the same as a cognitive disability. So uh, that I may have like um, some sort of mental retardation, or I may have some sort of um, a deficiency in intelligence. And um, that's not the case at all. I, I don't use sign language. I, I'm able to talk and I happen to have a doctorate. So all of those boxes that are supposed to be checked for a deaf person are not in fact checked. Mm. Um, but because I'm deaf, people just automatically assume that I must be all of those things and they get scared. Um, and mm. so rather than take the time to ask me, you know, okay, so these are the concerns that we have. How can we address these concerns? They start to say, no, you're deaf and therefore you would be unsafe on the course. And like you said, there are plenty of people who, um, you know, they, they enter these races and, uh, you know, they even ask you, uh, when you register for the race, will this be your first Iron Man? And how come mm. nobody goes to the people who check the yes box? Um, you know, oh, this is your first Iron Man. We're really concerned about your safety. Are you sure you can cover the swim distance? How do you feel about this bike? Have you had a cardiac checkup? They don't ask those questions. Mm. Um, and so there's this real, um, there's this real discrepancy in the way that we treat people who are different in some way, um, who have disabilities in some way. And, um, you know, to be on the receiving end of that can be really hurtful. And mm. especially when I know, like, I've been deaf for the last 35 years of my life. I feel like I've mastered that. I know <laughs> a lot about being deaf. I'm happy to educate you on it. Yeah. Um, you to like, this is your first encounter with a deaf person and you automatically assume that you know everything there is to know about me. Not only is it hurtful to me, but it makes you look like a moron. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. <laughs> Kate, what about you? Like in, in terms of triathlon, um, have you got any similar kind of stories? Um, I think to what Susan's saying, for me, you know, I've been very fortunate enough to become a Paralympian and um, being a part of an amazing um, paratriathlon team in Australia. And uh, I think when Susan's talking, it just makes me realise, like, even though I have a disability, I'm constantly still learning about all different types of disability and where people have challenges um, and how things can be different. So, for example, someone who's vision impaired, like if the race is starting really early, that's a really, that's hard, you know, because they can't sight and they can't really see certain things. If, even if they have a guide, it makes things a bit different. Um, and for me, you know, I, I, I've been fortunate enough to just, I slot into able-bodied races. So my disability doesn't impact me in any way like that um so yeah very different and as we were saying before every, every experience can be different for everyone depending on their disability and where they see challenges um i, I like it's it's yeah I, I don't know i don't yeah no i look i, I probably would think of something when we we finish this 
I should have mentioned that. Um, I, I just like, I just want to be, I don't want to be seen as different in any like normal race. I just want to be able to get out there and sort of blend into the crowd. Um, so that's where I like, you know, and I think if you've got people with, I don't know about you, Susan, but whether it's me or a, a, a peer that whether they're in a wheelchair or, um, you know, they my disability might not be that obvious at the time during a race and then some others might be and everyone's like, come on, mate, yeah, good job, you're doing an awesome job and it's like, piss off, just let me race, all right? Like don't think I'm like, I'm just out here trying to kick your ass just like you're trying to kick everyone else. So let's just all be, you know, you can't, I don't really like want that sympathy or like you're a bit of a, a hero, I think. Yeah. Paralympics and the para in Paralympics actually stands for parallel. So I still believe from that global level, we're getting there. We're not there yet, but we're getting there. And I think, and I, I can't necessarily speak for all of the, the para triathletes, but I, I think they just want to be, they are triathletes, you know, and they've been given a fortunate opportunity and, um, don't sort of, oh, you're so amazing because of what you're doing with disability. It's like, no, no, we just, it's something we've wanted to do, you know, and this has been an opportunity. It's not necessarily because we've got a disability we're doing it. We're all athletes. Sorry, my dog's at the door. Um, <laughs> we're all athletes and we're all just, you know, doing what we love. So back us for that, not because of thinking we're amazing because of we're doing sport and we have disability. Mm. Absolutely. You know, I had to laugh when you when you talk about like the people that the, the race with you are like, good job. Um, you know, and they like they, they go out of their way to they'll treat you like you're special with the quotation marks, special. Um and you know, I, I see that a lot, not only in my own experience as uh, as an athlete, but in other stories about people with disabilities who do triathlon. And um, you know, that all fall under the category that is often referred to as inspiration porn. And mm -hmm. so um, this is when we, um, you know, we take a person with a disability and we put them into the spotlight because they have a disability. And so we say things like, um, you know, she's got one leg and she does triathlon, what's your excuse? Um, or um, my favorite is the only disability in life is a bad attitude. And it's like, no, bitch, there's a lot of disabilities out there. Um, and so, you know, but, but we, we take these people with disabilities and we put them in the spotlight um, and, and we basically exploit their stories for the benefit of people who don't have disabilities. So, you know, it's for, for people like you, Steph, like we're reminding you, um, you need to work harder, you can't complain, and you need to be thankful for what you have because at least your life doesn't suck as bad as mine in case does. And um, I don't know about you, Kate, but my life does not suck. <laughs> My life definitely doesn't suck, but like, and anything that I've gone through, like, you know, struggles, the biggest struggles or adversities I've gone through aren't necessarily related to me not having a hand, you know, and that that's a sure fact. So we we go through things like everyone else. So yeah, um, Kate's got to go in just a few minutes, but I do. I just want to touch on something that you both mentioned uh, and it's that wanting to uh, not show vulnerability because you want to be appear to be strong. Um, so showing that vulnerability as in, you know, Susan with you at the race and sort of putting your hand up and saying, well, 
you know, I need help or, or what have you. Where do you both sit with that now? Do you do you find strength in being vulnerable at certain times? Have you sort of changed your mindset around that? Because I personally used to fight being seen as weak in any circumstance, H- hated it. But I've actually, as I've gotten older and <laughs> matured, um, I have found a certain level of strength in my vulnerabilities. What was that, Kate? Debatable, Steph. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I, for those listening, I was using quotation marks. <laughs> um, but I certainly have found a, a, an amount of strength in vulnerability. Where, where do you both sit with that? And we'll wrap this up. Um, uh, I am an avid um, promoter and um, believer in just in like normalizing people to to have a that psychological safety around us to just be vulnerable and people who know me will know I'm very honest and upfront with challenges I've had in my life and my experiences because it helps me to talk about that and for people that I'm around to understand that because if I don't talk about it it then other people don't talk about it, then it doesn't normalise it and things should be normalised. And I don't think it's just about disability, whether it's stuff around mental health and well-being. like I'm such a strong promoter on it. It's okay to not be feeling okay. Like it's not a bad thing. There shouldn't be any stigma attached to anything. If it, With disability, like even for people that don't have a disability that are curious, just ask. Like be sure, look, I'm, 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 I feel a bit... Like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. So can, you know, do you mind if I ask this? Or most of the time people are more um, embracing of that than anything. And I just think we've got to go back to the end of the day. Like we're all humans. Let's not try to be whatever roles we have or whatever we do as jobs, our disability, whatever. Remember, we all are humans. We all have feelings. We all have emotions. So there's nothing wrong with that. Mm. And it comes back to the point. Just be nice. Be understanding. Be caring. Like. They're not setbacks. They just make us different. Yep. Susan? That's, uh, I think, you know, when we're talking about inclusion, and, and really this is inclusion of all kinds, but especially for people with disabilities, um, the goal of inclusion is really that we make it the norm. Um, so not to single somebody out for being, um, you know, exceptional or different in any way, but, like, Kate and I would just like to race and not have it be a thing. Um, Mm. You know, we would like to see, um, you know, if an athlete with a disability is doing a race, we would like to see that they're just doing the race. But instead, um, you know, we don't want to have to see that there's all these social media posts and these memes that are talking about, you know, how inspirational this person is. Um, a, a person with a disability who does a race or who gets the doctor or whatever it is, a person who, who does anything with a disability, it's not inspirational because of their disability, but because of how hard they work to mm. accomplish their goal. The work the um, the talent, the dedication, the commitment, all of that is inspirational. The disability part should just be a footnote because I think, you know, somebody who does a triathlon, their first triathlon is inspirational, whether mm. or not they have a disability, whether or not they're a person of color, whether or not they're a woman. I think if you do the work, that's inspiring to me. 
Um, and, and so we just want to make it so that everybody is included in that and not singled out as while they had it harder than everybody else. Um, because that's not necessarily the case. And I think for to get to that point where inclusion is the norm, it takes people like me and Kate being vulnerable and talking about it. Because if we don't talk about it, then we're just in the background, we're in the shadows, and all the people without disabilities are filling in the blanks for us. And they, they don't do a very good job of filling <laughs> in the blanks. Um, so yeah. we need to share experiences, we need to share our stories, we need to amplify the voices of other people like you're doing stuff by providing this platform for us to share our stories. Um, and I think the more people hear these stories, the more normal it becomes. Um, and so, yeah, it's uncomfortable. And I really intensely dislike being vulnerable like this, but it's also something that's really important and it's an honor really to be able to do it. And so um, for that, I kind of get over the discomfort and just push through. Yeah. I think um, what I've found, and it'd be interesting to probably look into it more, but regardless of who's doing a triathlon, disability or not, I have like commonly seen or heard after the fact that people that get into triathlon have come from quite significant adversity. And I, I, I've learned stories about that. I'm like, And I hear about people, I'm like, wow, that's intense, like what you've been through. And so I think that's the beauty, could be the beauty of sport as well, but the beauty of triathlon and that community, that environment and this sport, like it is such a rewarding sport and it can give so much. And I even was one of those people that was going through a tough time and, you know, triathlon was, I love it. And um, so I think even regardless of disability, there's some amazing stories out there. So everyone has a story. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, and at some stage, I would love to get you both back on the podcast because I think something that you've touched on right at the end, but we can't talk about it more because we have to go, is the role of media in terms of, like you say, taking advantage of um, uh, people with a disability and showcasing it for all the wrong reasons. Um, I think it's a really important topic and I think we'll we'll discuss that another time uh but for now sorry to cut you both short but I know you've got things to do people to see um everyone please thank uh my friends Susan Lakey and Kate Ness thank you so much for your time thanks Steph Thanks for tuning in. Hit subscribe, give us a rating, leave a comment, and don't forget, if you're not already a Wits Up Patreon member, sign up in the link in the description. But above all else, keep yourselves knee deep in awesomeness. (laughs) 